This is an IACP podcast on cybersecurity awareness as global conditions are making the news feeds and the game is changing. So we are here to discuss the changing landscape. I'm Craig Allen, chair of the IACP Communications and Technology Committee. We will be discussing this topic with IACP Chair of Computer Crimes and Digital Evidence Committee, Jim Emerson. Jim, welcome. Thank you, Craig, glad to be with you. So to, to uh, shepherd our discussion today, Jim, I think we'll be dis dissecting this topic along the lines of what's happening, how is it happening, and define some possible concerns. What should I as a chief be doing about this? And per, if we have time, provide a list of topics to consider. How's that sound to you, Jim? Perfect agenda. So with that, where would you like to start? So what's happening? Can you give us an overview? I think that um, the geopolitical situation should not be news to anyone. Um, it's getting certainly a lot of media attention. Uh, we uh, have a familiarity with nation state actors in the cyber uh, threat space that is not going to be a surprise to anyone either. And probably moreover, uh, new topics involve uh, actors that are maybe historically thought to be entirely criminal, uh, either aligning with the geopolitical situation in one way or another, um, and uh, pledging some sort of uh, support or allegiance to uh, one, one side or the other. And, and that, that, that infers some things that we should talk about a little bit. And the last thing that I think is probably important to unpack is that there, there also seems to be activity amongst what we would traditionally call criminal groups to merge um, and to cooperate, collaborate. And that also uh, provides us with pause and consideration of what, what does that mean? So not dissimilar to what we see with the drug cartels and other business opportunities, there's a merger or a change in the landscape of how they do their business, not necessarily what their final outcome is, but how they align to achieve that goal. Is that, is that fair? I think that's very fair. And I also think that um, when companies merge, we expect new products. Uh, and that would be the inference that we want to take away here is that are we looking for uh, new tactics, uh, new malicious code uh, that maybe is previously unseen, hasn't been cataloged, or, and, and certainly new infrastructure, places that attacks are propagated from. So uh, the, that particular set of norms uh, has an opportunity to uh, evolve here. I think that's uh, very relevant the way you just framed that, Jim. I, uh, in preparation for this discussion, looked again this morning at, at some news feeds and see a number of states are taking uh, action to try and change the content and context of their state laws to uh, deal with the cybersecurity threat. So um, with, with that in mind, could we talk about a little bit how this seems to be happening and some areas of specificity, perhaps if I'm a chief of what some of those concerns might be. Um, I'll try to use some terms at a very high level so that if you run across them in any of the resources later, they're not completely unfamiliar or unexplained. Uh, typically in the cyber threat world, 
Uh, we talk about criminal actors. We talk about nation state actors. You may run across the term advanced persistent threat actors as well. Um, they uh, are well cataloged and some of the resources at the end here will take you through exhaustive access to any information at any level you'd like to understand about those types of issues. Um, it's probably more important to think a little bit about um, what happens and why it happens on a really kind of general level. Uh, for example, uh, the way that these attacks start, uh, still a good 90% of these attacks occur at a human interface, uh, you know, uh, an email exchange, a message of some sort. So any efforts that we take to train our staff, our, our officers, our deputies, um, to make them more savvy, less prone to victimization in that, in that particular context, is still a huge and positive investment. We should continue to do those kinds of things as we move forward. And we can break this down a little further as we go. The only other thing that I'll add to that very quickly is uh, on the other side of the table, what's left of the way that these tax, uh, attacks tend to propagate is um, services that are available from a remote location on the internet. So if um, the computer that you're on now, Craig, is remotely accessible from a public address somewhere halfway across the world, well, then you have to hope that that particular service and that access is well locked down. Um, and otherwise, consider making it inaccessible. Uh, and, and, and in some cases, that would be the preferred option for anybody as they start to think about where they are, uh, how they're uh, uh, how they're attained in terms of being touched logically by somebody else somewhere on the planet, as well as um, what that means to them. What does that access actually relate to in terms of the the infrastructure, uh, the importance of it to your agency, and the relevant data that's there? So we're talking about risk here, and the message that's going to probably continue throughout this discussion is that if you had anything on your to-do list with regard to locking down mitigating risk for your agency, given some of the increases in threat indicators, changes that have occurred, it's a good time to uh, speed that up. Uh, get as close to zero risk as you can possibly get. And there's lots of resources again to help you get there. Well, Jim, that was a lot in uh, a couple of minutes there that you, uh, you gave us. So a couple of things. First, um, the ICP's Police Chief Magazine just came out, and this month's focus in March is uh, cybersecurity. So maybe there's some good places to uh, uh, think about as, as you, um, as a member of the ICP, uh, look at potential resources and a better understanding of some of these topics. There's a broad array of things there that might be value added. The second one is, um, as you were talking about this globalization that just keeps getting more global and, and quite frankly, the easier things get, the more complicated the back end gets. So the easier it is for me to do banking, the more complicated the back end has to be in security. Um, what it, when you were talking about the globalization, does the VPN that we hear so much about 
have a value-added proposition in this discussion? In other words, is that something that every individual and every agency should be thinking about, or is that too low-hanging of fruit? Well, you have to think about the fact that from a computing standpoint, data is sometimes in motion, sometimes it's being processed, and sometimes it's static. It's mm -hmm. just stored somewhere. So as we entertain a question about um, a, a virtual private network, such as yours, which essentially creates encryption for the data as it's traveling while it's moving, um, that's a great thing. Uh, however, we can't forget about the data at either end. We can't forget about it when it's static and stored. We can't forget about it. This is a risk discussion that your technologist should be wrestling with day in and day out and has everything to do with how you implement your technology. And far too often, the complexity of how we implement technology, not because we're not motivated to do it by the numbers, but because of how we add technology, how funding occurs, how requirements accrue for an agency to put things in place, make for less than perfect scenarios. We're essentially layering on top of what was there and trying to tie, tie it tightly together. Um, that re really demands that we go back and look at our organizations with regard to risk that shows itself along those lines. And that's what I'm referring to today when I say, if you have risk projects that you, you would like to mitigate, you'd like to tighten up the security around, um, as the threat increases in terms of potential, now's a good time to be thinking real hard about it. So Jim, just as we, we talked about in our last Apache 4J, I saw where there was a relatively large number of those um, open source logs, like over a thousand uh, that are out there that are used in a variety of things from cloud computing to our, our, almost any software package that one might be using is going to bounce up against one of those or draw resources from them as part of it. And there's a, a movement afoot to do a better job of scrubbing that and identifying any additional uh, weaknesses in those, those logs. I just want to kind of throw that out as a, as a topic. But as we look at a, a, a chief saying, okay, I'm listening to you guys now, what do I do? So the, would it be the, the, a step to like hierarchically start with your NG911 center, your 911 center, and, and, and go down through those lists of where those risks are, including HR, including payroll systems, including your, your committee deals with evidence, the evidentiary side of things, not just digital evidence, but evidence in general, where is all of that information held? Because it, if it's bound up and you can't get to it, it's encrypted by someone else. What kind of compromise does that introduce? Is it, maybe it isn't make it in court, but my goodness, trying to find something later if that system isn't working appropriately and you don't have a paper log backup. So would you play with a prioritization or at least you're thinking about that out, out loud? Uh, some of the places, if I'm a chief, I need to, you know, your, your committee gets a lot of, uh, hey, how do we untwist this? This got messed up. We've, we've suffered a loss. Um, would you mind talking about that? 
Okay, Craig, in, in the U.S., the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency um, is the, the resource for uh, authoritative support uh, you know, at the national level and trickling down the state, local, tribal, territorial agencies. I'm mentioning that because if you hear nothing else from this podcast, Charlie, India, Sierra, Alpha, dot gov is a web page that if any of this sounds strange to you, you should visit, you know, as soon as you can. They have a new section of that site, which is uh, called Shields Up. Uh, you'll find it right on the, the homepage of the site. And if you go to that uh, URL, that uniform resource locator I used, sisa.gov, if you simply put a slash uh, after it with Shields Up, uh, you'll be on a specific page full of resources to help you protect your agency and uh, to provide to your practitioners. Uh, the reason I wanted to talk about that site a bit is because there's also very technical and nuanced information about specific nation state threats, um, what they call network defender bulletins, cybersecurity advisories. There is a ton of light reading for our audience as it relates to the, the more technical issues that your staff's going to want to ingest. And so visit that site, visit, you know, Shields Up, take a look about at what they have to say about the specific threat right now, given the geopolitical discussion we're having and how that might be provoking uh, what's happening today. Um, they have literally cataloged every vulnerability out there that has been seen exploited by the actors we're concerned about. So they've packaged for you a very neat little uh, kind of framework for how to think about a particular nation state and what they might be planning to do to your organization should they attack. Um, so there's a, a wealth of, of, of resources there at, at CISA.gov. Uh, um, I want to drive everybody out there. And, and I, I want to say uh, some of the basic hygiene issues, back to your question, Craig, um, are really a lot more important than, than, than anybody ever uh, suspects. Um, we, we tend to find the more technical aspects of cyber attacks, how they occurred, what happened once they got inside, you know, how the data was taken out, what was done with it, who the perpetrators were. All of that's really exciting you know, for the technologist, for the geek in the room. Well, I might resemble that. But have, having said that, um, we need not forget that the basic stuff we do, properly authenticate, uh, use multi-factor authentication, uh, teach uh, our folks when not to click. I mean, I have seen some really well put together phishing attempts in text messages over the last four, five, six months that benefit from knowing what kinds of services I subscribe to. Uh, either that or they got really lucky um, and they understand billing cycles uh, so that they could put something in front of me that might smell somewhat legitimate. 
we need to be very kind of disciplined about making sure that our staff, our personnel are being very rigid about, you know, avoiding clicking on anything they haven't requested, taking the time to verify, you know, did you send that to me? Um, and making sure that we're reporting anything that's anomalous as quickly as we can so that we can maybe have somebody who is properly equipped get under the hood, uh, dig in further, and actually refer that back to the folks at CISA and FBI. And so um, it's, it's, a, it's a good time to be absolutely dogged about the basics. You're muted. So one of the, the basics about uh, law enforcement forever has been pre-planning. Plan to plan, plan to execute, review the plan. What are some of the pre-planning things, Jim, that, that if I'm a chief and I don't have an IT department, what are some of the things I should think about? And this is globally, this isn't, this is internationally. It doesn't have to be just the states. So this one's kind of generic. What is it that I should be thinking about the list of who do I call first? Who do I call second? The, the, the one of the things I'm going to say before I talk about reporting is essentially um, the agency's ability to consider the value of their systems and their data. And how critical are they? You know, uh, what, what am I going to lose sleep over if it goes down immediately? You know, what, what this is the reality of, of ransomware attacks is how important is that resource to the agency's ability to provide public safety, you know, to the jurisdiction they serve. So thinking about the data and where it is, is part of that thought process. Um, having a public website that is segmented properly from other critical data might be an obvious thing, you know, to kind of toss out there so we can consider. But there's a lot less obvious stuff that goes into that layering of technology that I talked about a little bit um, earlier. And so um, from the standpoint of how we're designed, thinking about what we do, what kinds of technology we run, what data we create, where it's at, and what's the risk, uh, given some of the threats we're talking about here. Please consider that given the geopolitical circumstances that we're confronted with right now and the potential for different actors to be involved, um, there's an ability for an attack not to be a single one and done event. Uh, if, if I'm effectively inside of your organization from a criminal perspective, a malicious perspective, that may actually get me somewhere else. That may give me a springboard or a point to pivot and attack an even greater asset or to a greater end game or goal. So from the perspective of how we look at our risk, we need to think about not only are we vulnerable, but what do we facilitate and, and, and locking those kinds of topics down. The other thing that we should think about is sometimes these attacks so we've seen uh, in the, the, uh, the run up to um, what's going on in, in the Ukraine. We've seen attacks again that have been destructive. They're not interested in encrypting data. They're destroying data. OK, it's not recoverable. There's no key to buy. It may look like it's ransomware, but it's not intended to be that. So that's kind of 
wrenched up the ante a bit here, the consequences of a successful attack of that nature. And we should also consider that that attack doesn't have to be precise. That attack can have collateral damage. It can spill over. Maybe it's an attack on my municipality, which takes out part of my police service infrastructure simply because we're close to each other logically. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe it's an attack on my agency, but because of how I cooperate in terms of design and infrastructure and software with other agencies, I end up affecting other agencies. So the collateral, the imprecision of what can happen when these attacks occur are something that our risk thoughts need to take into account. Back to the basics again, locking down the door, you know, making sure that there aren't open windows places to crawl in, cracks in what we've done to harden. And if we know there are uh, expediting everything we can do to either um, deny access to that vulnerability or to actually fix it and mitigate it. Um, there is a, um, uh, a set of terms called zero day and one day that I'd like the executives to understand. A zero day attack is essentially attack or exploitation of a problem with a piece of technology, a piece of software that was prior to the attack unknown publicly, not known by the manufacturer, not known by the, by the user, the victim. Um, so we call it zero day. Uh, one day or subsequent to actually knowing about a problem, that whole range of attacks has everything to do with how quickly we fix or patch. When, once we know there's a problem, have we corrected it? Uh, why, why is that a big deal? I mean, it's, it's an administrative workflow for the IT folks that they work their way through. They're concerned about making sure the systems continue to run, that everything remains stable and viable and whatnot. Well, the reason we should continue to care about those kinds of thoughts is because as soon as a vulnerability is made public, you have entire groups of actors that start looking for you owning that vulnerability. And they don't have to know you. They can simply just start scanning address space around the globe. So from the perspective of speeding up how we deal with risk, it's a good time to be thinking about that. Yeah. So if I, if I find out that something's happened, where's my first reporting? Should I, you know, who should I pick up the phone call? Uh, so Psywatch, uh, Charlie, Yankee, Whiskey, Alpha, Tango, Charlie, Hotel at FBI.gov. If, if you think you've been attacked, regardless of whether you can attribute who the attacker is at not, or not, then communicate with the Psywatch folks at FBI.gov. After that, you want to talk to uh, Central at CISA.gov. That's Charlie, Echo, November. Tango, Romeo, Alpha, Lima at CISA.gov. And between those two uh, points of contact, you should be able to not only get assistance, but you should be able to ensure that your particular event is uh, immediately getting their attention. Please keep in mind that the faster you share, the more likely it is that they're gonna be able to paint a clear picture of what's happening on a larger scale. And that may actually save somebody else the same outcome that you're in the throes of. So from the standpoint of reporting, that's got viable outcome. So Jim, lastly, um, in, in the last minute here, um, 
Is it safe to say that there are people listening to this call or listening to this podcast that are compromised and don't know it? Well, there's always a possibility that um, a, an unknown event or a prior attack uh, left something behind. Um, I mean, it's, it's a possibility. Uh, typically, we'll assume that cyber hygiene, you know, did all the things that it could do, you know, with regard to recovery and restoration of a previous attack, or that the agency had enough robust continuous monitoring to know that an attack of some sort had potentially occurred. Um, there's a lot of attacks that are being thwarted because we see addresses where the attacks are coming from that CISA.gov puts out these network defender bulletins to talk to you about malicious attack points that you should be aware of and be you know, wary of. Um, there's always a possibility though that something has lingered or loitered or you might not be aware of it, you haven't detected it. And so from the perspective of um, how you pay attention to that kind of risk, think about the importance of the data, think about the importance of the technology and you can order it. Each agency is gonna have to order things in their own prioritization based on how it applies to their ability to do what they do as an agency. Jim, I can't thank you enough for uh, this information. This is just a, a tremendous amount of uh, valuable, valuable information in the current contemporary environment we're operating in and uh, really appreciate your time today. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Craig. Done.